Hello and welcome to our Pro Player Diary show. This is the show that we are recording and dropping on Wednesday, May 10th. See, I'm going with dates now instead of putting the numbers because I kept getting the numbers mixed up anyway. Just need something so that they don't all have the same file name. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again, joined by a man who is coming to us from Lexington, Kentucky, where I've had the pleasure of spending a lot of time this month. He is our aforementioned pro player, Sean Borman. Sean, how are things? Doing really good, man. How are you? Things are good. Things are good. You know, it's a little bit sad, as I was saying. I think a lot of listeners heard it announced um, on the JK Plus One the other week. I didn't do anything. Uh, I haven't really talked about it in the airwaves yet, but uh, Muggsy, the handicapping Labrador, with us no more. But what a run. 16 and a half years. I do think it was like some of the initial emotion was a bit muted for me hitting the road right away. But yeah, being back in the, you know, basically the office that uh, she and I shared for so many years, it's, it's been a little weird feeling, but you know, there's plenty of distractions and, and getting back from Derby and more content to be created. But I know you're somebody like me who understands that these dogs are not, uh, they're not possessions, they're family members. So it, it can be a little tricky. Yeah. I hate to hear that. Um, I, you know, we've, uh, we've lost one years ago and it's it's one of the worst things ever yeah it sucks it's really not fun that 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 much is that much is for sure but yeah she loved she loved being a part of the show and i would have a lot of listeners you know comment every time we heard that rattling of chains in the background you can pour one out from mugsy the handicapping laboratory uh, alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage of your choosing let's go back so the last time we spoke we, we sort of broke format we sort of merged formats between the pro player diary and the, the the pro player roundtable with the show we did with Paul. I have to say, I got some of the most enthusiastic messages from loyal listeners, Sean. People just loved that approach that you guys came up with. So, so good on you, first of all. And, and I do think that we, you know, well, one of the biggest questions remains unanswered in terms that we talked about on that show in terms of, you know, what was the deal with the Southern California form line that only ended up with the one representative in the race, Mandarin Hero? But I, I do think we identified a lot of the a lot of the key questions and and you know had to, were able to inform people talking about it. How did you reflect back on, on on that show with Paul? How did that inform any of your decisions going forward? I thought it was a really good show. Um, I thought it was you know helpful even for me to just go over things. You know, anytime you get to sit down and talk to a guy like Paul with his wealth of knowledge, especially about about figures and figure making, it's it's beneficial. Um, so, it, you know, I thought, you know, it, it helped clarify some things for me. Um, but, you know, I, I, yeah, I think, you know, I, th- I think the positive feedback you received is is justified, to be completely honest. <laughs> You don't hear, I joke a lot of the time when something really obvious or silly is said, you can't get analysis like this just anywhere. In that case of that show, it was, it was true. Another key point we focused on that I I'm going to say, we're going to have to just take an incomplete on was how good the form of the UAE race was. I've seen some, some people taking bows for uh, their brilliant analysis that you should toss horses coming out of that race. I don't think it's fair at all. I thought Derma Sotogake lost his chance at the break and ran a pretty good race. And I, I see no reason why a horse from that race or a Japanese horse can't win the Kentucky Derby going forward in the right circumstances. So I, I, I'm not going to I'm, I'm always willing to fall on the sword when I think I'm wrong. I, I don't think that was a bad pick. I mean, maybe the price got a little too skinny there at the end after the Forte scratch, etc. But uh, but I, I don't think that was a, a bad opinion, especially when he was the bigger price we were advising him. Well, no, I mean, and you and I have talked about this before. Look, there there are no set in stone rules for any of this stuff. Like, should we should we never bet the bluegrass winner in the Derby again because Tappet Trice fell on his face? I mean, no, that's ridiculous. I mean, that we've seen for eighteen months now that those Japanese horses can compete on both surfaces all over the world with the best horses in the world. And the next time one of them comes in here with the best figure in the Kentucky Derby, I'm going to bet it again. Yeah. So, you know, it's they could just keep taking their bows because they're just fundamentally wrong about about handicapping and, and racing. Um, 
you know, Derma Sotogake didn't show up. He didn't get the best trip, I don't think, but it, that's not what beat him. He just didn't run the same race he did in Dubai. And that can be said for 80% of the field in the Derby, I think. Um, where so, should we go? Where should we go with this conversation? We can talk Derby specific, or we can go back to any wagering you've done since the last time we did one of these. It sounded like you were maybe going to be taking a bit of a step back and you know working on all your Derby data, so that would be strong. But what what wagering stories do you have for us heading into the big weekend last weekend in Kentucky? Heading into the weekend, I I didn't. Uh... I mean, I got, God, so much has gone on since last Wednesday, but I'm sure. I, oh no, I remember. Um, yeah, heading into the weekend, I didn't, I didn't bet much. Um, I bet like two races at Happy Valley on Wednesday. Um, you know, I think I told you, I maybe even said it on air, but my wife was out of town, so I had, I had the girls uh, all week and didn't get to you know, just work Wednesday morning. I had to get them ready for school, get them to school. So when I got back from that, there was like four races, three or four races left on that card. And in, in true Sean fashion, I sat down with like five minutes to post on one of them and thought I saw a really great bet, bet too much and lost. So, oh, um, you know, that, that didn't work, but it didn't, uh, didn't deter me from firing on the weekend. What did your dirt? What what other advanced work did you do for the Derby to get sort of back in the swing after not having kept up as much on the American stuff as your focus moved increasingly to Hong Kong over the previous few months? Like, did you did you have like a day of figure making? Like, what what did that look like? Uh, well, I'd, I'd already gotten the you know the Oaks and the Derby preps figures up to date, um, and the you know the. The rest of the stuff, you know, rest of the undercard races sort of fall on those same prep days. So figure-wise, I was I was pretty well prepared. Um, you know, I didn't do – I probably did less prep this year, um, but honestly felt like I had more of a, a grasp on things. That's interesting. What do you um, account what, – what accounts for that? Uh, you know, just sort of – I'm really trying to focus on, you know, my, my – recent struggles have been well noted on this show. So I'm, I'm really trying to focus on, you know, the tote board more and to, and to try to find just good spots to be in versus, Hey, I love this horse. I need to bet this race. That's very um, interesting. And I think something that I know for me is a lesson I, I need to learn a lot more is yeah. Don't preconceive where those spots to really swing are. Let them tell you. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, part of it was I knew I would be sort of running around. Um, I was very busy on Friday with with family stuff. So I bet, you know, the majority of that Oaks card from my car driving <laughs> around Lexington and, and taking my daughter to swimming in, in Winchester. Um, but I actually think that helped me because I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't just sitting here you know, overthinking things. I just had, I had my past performances with me. I had the tote board with me and, um, you know, the first, first, well, I made one bet early on Oaks day in the, uh, the smile happy race that I, that I wasn't right about. What was your, what was your opinion going in there? I, I swung and missed there myself. I, I had no clue smile happy was going to be able to run that race. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't foresee that either. Um, I, I played a, I played a, I played West Willpower over, and honestly, I'm forgetting who else was in that race. Uh, over two horses in the try, it was just blatantly wrong. Um, but it was a very small, just sort of action bet. Was um, it Art, Art Collector was in there, and Last Samurai would have been the, and then Rich Strike, of course, your boy. <laughs> I didn't like Last Samurai. I hated Rich Strike. Who else was in there? Uh, the only other I mean, horse was Milliken. But I mean, unless you missed when I rolled through it the first time, Art Collector, uh, Art, yeah, Art Collector and Milliken. Um, it must have been. It must have been. I just played. I thought. I, I just thought West Willpower was going to win, so I just keep. I must have just keep him on top of Smile Happy and, and Art Collector. Gotcha. Um, and then threw those other ones out and then played a super, a default super that way too. Um, 
but you know, he just, he didn't, well, at first I thought he didn't run his race, but then once that figure came back, he, he sort of did run his race and, and smiled wow, back. He ran for a completely freaked out of nowhere. Um, explain, explain that default super concept to those that might not be familiar with it. Well, it's basically, you know, if you've got a six horse field and you can throw two of them out, nothing else can happen. Right. And <laughs> especially if you think, you know, who the winner is going to be, that's a, you know, six combinations. And, and a lot of times it'll pay a lot more than six, um, especially if you're throwing out like the second choice or something, or, or hell, if you can throw the first choice out even better. But, you know, I, that used to be a pretty profitable play back in the day. And nowadays it doesn't work quite as much, but on, on a day like Derby day or Oaks day, you could, you, you might still be able to get away with it. And I was throwing out, I think this, at least the third choice completely out. Um, yeah, if you were against Last Samurai. Against him, and then, you know, Rich Strike was a public horse that I thought would especially take money in third and fourth, so I thought there might be a little equity in just throwing him out as well. No, that's a great point. I mean, that's pretty good analysis that folks could learn something from, from a losing bet, right? You know, just uh, having that idea. And I do think you're a thousand percent right that, you know, day in, day out, with the efficiency of vertical betting these days, that um, I could see why it's not as profitable as it once was, but that just that extra meat on the bone for for Derby Day, um, you know, it m- makes it a lot more makes it a lot more appealing. Yeah, yeah, you know that that extra liquidity helps, and especially if it's a little less informed um, than typical. And it's a dollar. Is it was it a do- it was a dollar super too, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, they, I think they, we, they, they take we, away we, the we, ten cent thing. Yeah, because they because that's how it's listed in the chart is one dollar superfecta five one four two paying two oh seven sixty two. Right. So, um, any other action for you on uh, on Oaks Day? Yeah, I played. Uh, you know, well, you back to like how I sort of prepared myself is I, I did listen to um, some podcasts and you know I listened to Duke's show on Oak on the Oaks, but I you know listening. Going to your all's um, seminar Wednesday night, right? Even though I was sort of there more as a as a so, social event, um, one thing really jumped out at me as I was sitting there, you know, sort of goofing off um, <laughs> when when uh, the uh, the the discussion on the Pat Day Mile, um, and then the, I think you all discussed money's gold to some extent yeah for sure um so the the money's gold horse you know i made a bet in there um, i played a straight double i liked the the winner of the turf race that was before the didier yeah that horse um you know i i thought you know i just i pulled up the the double pool and and money's gold was like very clearly sort of one to nine in the doubles. I mean, just was everybody's single in everything, it seemed like. For sure. And, you know, on my stuff, that horse was the fastest. Um, had a decent late pace figure, but but she had never done anything that I would say was elite at, at any point of call. I mean, her, her pace line for me um, was basically like, 88, 88, 93, 97, 97. So meaning she, you know, set on a fairly, you know, a softish pace, ran a 97 final and a 97 late pace figure. So she had not done any like triple digit stuff yet. And those horses are vulnerable against horses that can run in the triple digits at, at some somewhere in the race. And they're just, they're just horrendous bets at, at like one to five. Yeah, certainly. Um, so I got, you know, there's a horse in that race. I liked who, who didn't get a great trip. It didn't end up running. It was a three horse. Olivia twist. Yeah. Olivia twist. Didn't break well. Yeah. And you know, but I was able to play just a hundred dollar double, you know, two, three and got alive for over $9,000 um, without taking any real risk, you know, and it didn't work out, but it just sort of 
cemented that it, you know, those horses that, that are universal singles, you know, man, nowadays they better be absolutely bulletproof right. to get any equity out of those bets. Unless it's flight line. You, you might. You uh, well, but, but, but flight line was bulletproof. Yeah. You know, yeah. flight line had run a lead at every point of call. Right. Right. You know, he didn't really have a weakness where this horse had a lot of weaknesses, even though she was the fastest horse. But it's really more of a game theory thing. You know, that horse could have won that race nine times out of ten. But I was still, I was getting, you know, bet 100, get back 90, 200. That's that's good. That's a good bet. Yeah. Um, It's interesting here. I, I like where you're going with this, and it brings something up. It reminds me of a conversation we once had about um, trying to identify the difficulties of trying to identify the difference between a two to five shot and a four to five shot, and how typically humans aren't really good at that. What's the business term for a tail end risk or, or something like mm-hmm. that? It, yeah. But in the modern game of racing, I think an ability to do that to some degree, this difference between the heavy favorite who's the fastest on paper and the bulletproof one, like I think there might be some equity in being able to, to deal with separating the, 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 those, uh, the, those kind of bets, maybe now more than ever. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, you know, I, it was just, you know, the, the narrative around that horse and, you know, talking to, people that I know and respect their opinion on and they all say the exact same thing single 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 yep you know it's real easy just to single that horse and say everybody's going to be right and a lot of times they will be but especially in the position I've been in lately where I need to find value and I need to you know start cashing some good tickets not just tickets you know it really didn't benefit me at all to single that horse or even bet that horse. Um, you know, so what I, you know, I got live for that double and then it's real easy to just come back and play a, play an exacto money's gold on top of Olivia twist. If it was paying well enough to, to cover the, you know, she runs a good second and gets beat by the better horse. Then, you know, you've got a little coverage that way, but I did, I didn't even end up doing that. I just, I just let it ride. Um, I do love the exacta as place bet in that situation and that way of leveraging your horizontals and with your verticals. I think, you know, that's that's an idea that uh, Mike talks about extensively in the book and and one that I've learned from uh, sitting next to you at many racetracks, too. It's just a it's a smart way of looking at the world and a good concept to bring up, even if you didn't even if you didn't do it in this spot. So, you know, what we have anything else on this race or should we move down the card? Well, I was just going to say on the exact that you just got to make sure, especially nowadays when those exactas are getting hit so late and so hard that you've just really got to make sure you're getting the value you think you're going to get. Um, You know, and that's why it was, it was right on the line of where I thought it should be. And I figured it was probably going to go down late. So I didn't, I didn't make that play. Um, But you've just, you know, you've really just got to be sure you're getting the value in that bet. That you, that you think, um, but you know, other than that, that's 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 really all this. You know, I did bet the Oaks, um, but not very seriously. And that's I didn't I didn't do much else. You know, Friday other than just pay attention and try to get a feel for the way that track was going to play. I like you know your analysis of of wet paint. In the end, was she just bet too hard to get too serious about? Is that why it was more of an action play? Yeah, she was just too short a price. And, and, you know, that was a race that we've talked about before where there was just, there was one horse in the whole field that, that could really run close to par overall and from a late pace perspective. And those races, those types of races, you know, tend to, to yield funny results, in my opinion, more often than, than races that are a little more have a little more depth to them just because it just you know with if, if one horse doesn't fire 
it opens up so many other possibilities and they typically end up being, you know, horses that are more forward. Um, and, and that the race as a whole typically ends up being slow. And I think, you know, both of those things came to fruition in the Oaks. I, I don't have that as a fast race at all. Fire had it 92. What, what was yours? I mean, mine was like an 86, I think. Wow. Um, Seriously slow. Yeah. And, you know, go, uh, Gambling Girl was able to finish in there. But for the most part, that race sort of held together. Um, but that's just sort of what happens when you have a bunch of horses in there that, that can't finish and aren't quite as good as the level. You know, that 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 can happen a lot. And it they don't make for great betting races, in my opinion because there's just nothing solid to, to sort of lay your hat on. Nick made a good point about wet paint being closer on the time form pace figures than she ever had before, and we sort of surmised that took the sting out of her finish. Is that how it looks on your numbers as well? Yeah, let me pull her up. Okay. I, I, think that is, I think that is true. But While you look uh, that up, my other question for you was a more general one about how you did think the track was playing on Oaks Day and if there's anything you were going to be going back and making sure you get your trips right to get the, make sure you get the right horses to upgrade coming out of it. And I thought it was, I thought it was pretty clear that you, you didn't necessarily want to be on the inside unless you could get like an inside out kind of trip, you know, yeah. you could save ground, but then sling out. I, I don't think you wanted to be inside speed. I don't think you wanted to be inside around the far turn and then inside in the lane. Um, Yes, wet paint was certainly, especially the first quarter of the race, she ran much faster than she ever had and, and faster overall than, than she had to. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I think the bias, it's one of the, we've heard Paul say on, on some of these shows, you know, he talks about the zone. Yeah. And to me, that was sort of the classic. You didn't necessarily, you didn't want to be five wide all the way around there. So it wasn't like a true dead rail, um, but it was sort of neutral off the one path, if that makes sense. Like if you were not, on, if you were not on the one path, you still wanted to save more ground than, than the other horses, like the two and the three path were sort of the best place to be in my opinion. I think that's how it played out. You know, we saw plenty of horses too, going down to the inside, including money's gold, yeah yeah getting down in there and, and, and kind of dying so the, those yeah. were that was going to be my assumption to, to maybe try to give those horses a break and maybe give wet paint a little bit of a break uh, just you know depending on what situation she ends up in next time um but yeah i i i had all the right horses to tie up in the try but didn't didn't i, I just need, i needed wet point to have a, a longer uh, longer nose longer neck there <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah I think her, that would have been a huge result for me. Yeah, I didn't see pretty mischievous at all, um, so I was I was not going to cash a ticket in that race. But that you know, I think wet paint workout, workout buzz kind of horse. Maggie made the top pick in the show we did Thursday. Um, yeah, yeah, and despite I was sort of hoping she'd be bigger. I mean, I think she was kind of bet at ten to one, honestly, from the fourteen post. So maybe you know. Maybe some of that workout steam making it into the prices, um, but yeah, yeah I didn't have anything. Bad. Yeah, I didn't have anything with her on top. Um, uh, so I, yeah, I mean, it, it, without wet paint in there somewhere, so it, yeah, it didn't did not did not work out for me. But it sounds like you sounds like you stayed out of trouble. I was heading into Saturday having lost a little more than I was comfortable with uh, on Friday. I mean, you you kept it super light, and then what was the what was your thing? Did you do Friday night, did you end up doing any work, or were you pretty much all ready to, to rock and roll for when, when Saturday came around? Uh, I, I, I didn't. I didn't really do any work. I just I, I got the got the girls to bed and went to bed myself. I was pretty worn out, so um, I just uh, I was pretty. I felt pretty ready for for Saturday. Um, I didn't really think I needed to do a, a whole lot. It seemed like I had a pretty good feel for the way the track was playing. You know, I had my handicapping was was basically done, so I just uh, I just went to, went to work at at ten thirty for first post and 
<laughs> sit, sit down here in the basement. Oh my goodness. What did you do anything in those early races? I bet. Um, I bet. I want to say it was the, it was the race that the 14 horse won that horse coming up from Florida that had the good figure uh, petulant or. Yeah. Petulante, I think. Petulante, or Petul- I think they yeah. call it. Yeah. The third race. chart up because it was a good day it was a good day for the 14s as it uh, as it turned out it was yeah petulante with saez over king ottoman and bright future the other two were bet uh even more yeah very 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 formful four horses were bet and they ran one two three four well yeah and i actually wanted to bring that up about how you know how efficiently and how intelligently that race was bet one of those four horses was a chilean import that everybody was right on as well um which i thought was sort of fascinating yeah el oriente the one who finished the one who finished fourth yeah goes off at 479 and finishes exactly uh where where it was supposed to according to the market it is it is kind of dizzying when that happens you wonder you wonder where they get their info from yeah those those uh those elite boys are pretty good now um (laughs) Yeah, I forget. I, you know, th- that race, I, I know what I did in there. I forget the horse that I bet. But, you know, I, I initially had wanted to bet the winner. Um, but the price, the way the, you know, it, I, I didn't really feel like I had any advantage just because I, I wanted to bet the winner with the horses that were also being bet. So there was another horse in there. I want to say it was the 11 or the some outside horse that was going to get the right sort of what I thought was the right trip. Um, that was a big price that I didn't have rated as too far off the, the top end of, of those horses. And I, I made a small win bet on that horse, but it I could have been that brigadier, that. that brigadier general who had speed was drawn outside and just didn't look to, was in the hunt at the, at the pace call and just didn't look to see things out at 25 to one. That seems like that, a, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Good guess of one you might've gravitated towards in that spot. Yeah. Um, so I bet that race, and then I bet. Uh, God, my memories get bad. B. <laughs> I, gotta, um, I, told, I tell you, you got to take notes, man. Yeah, I guess I do. Goodness <laughs> gracious, I had yeah. two. I had two, two um, races. I made just smallish bets in that I ran second both times, just back to back. One of them was, one of them was notorious. Um, I had some, I had like a pick three allowed to him. Did you, let me ask you, let's go back to race four just for a minute. Cause I'm just curious what, if anything you did with good night, Olive, or if that was just a total leave alone for you. I, I left that one alone. I couldn't, uh, you know, I had I actually had her declining on my stuff and I, I just wasn't totally sure if, you know, she just wasn't cranked up for that Keeneland race or, or what. And I'm still, unsure she got such a bad trip um on derby day that i, I yeah. don't know you know she was probably supposed to win that race i guess but yeah she probably i had think she was probably problem. declining and was gonna win honestly right right um but yeah so yeah. i didn't do anything else um until the sixth race i guess i started a pick three motorious was in the seventh right six yeah, Macorius ran second in the seventh. Yeah, so I started to pick three um, in race five, trying to get live to Motorious and got live, but got beat, obviously. And then I bet the sixth race. As that soon was as this slow ass computer hurries up, I'll tell you exactly what I did. That was Zozos who uh, yes, Zozos, Zozos got the win. Yeah, I bet um, I bet Kapuna in there. Okay, and that that was your other second place. Not a bad yeah. price, uh, six to one, and tried all the way to the line. That that's a yeah, little frustrating. I needed. I had a I had an eleven six exacted, but I didn't, and I bet the eleven to win, but I did not have a six eleven. I didn't back the eleven. I just bet it to win and put it on top of exactus. More of an action play is that part of that? Yeah, almost everything was an action play um, for me. Just the you know the. The struggles I've been having lately, um, I, I was just trying to find horses I thought were good value and, and make small bets 
on them to, you know, bet a little to win a lot kind of situation. Perrin was furious at me in that race for not betting on baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a, you, you love the Star Wars. <laughs> I told her if it had been May 4th that we would have thrown a few bucks, but I, you know, it was a day, day, day late, the dollar short, two days late, the dollar short situation. So I know you liked Motorious. You did the, the picks were busted heading into that, I presume. How did you come back? No, I was alive to I was alive to Motorious, but I didn't oh. bet that race. I didn't bet that race straight. Um, you know, I wasn't alive for any kind of good score. I think I was, you know, maybe going to get back two thousand or three thousand, um, which would have been, you know, a good score in, in hindsight. Just as things were going so bad at the time, um, I would have loved to cash for two, two or three thousand there. Um, but I didn't bet that race straight. I could not have had nobles. I was going to say, even after the race, could you see anything? I mean, the only thing I saw was um, Kevin Kilroy on the plus side for us had had mentioned, you know, uh, just he thought the horse was looking good and was going to maybe outrun the 38 to one odds. He did a lot better than that. He wins the damn thing. But I, I, for me, it was a case of the best bets are the ones you don't make. And, you know, I had thought about pick six versus pick five and decided I didn't have a strong enough opinion there. And then later speaking to Mafag Volgi, you know, he said he just thought the computers were going to absolutely feast on a mandatory payout day with a 20 cent minimum. And I realized it really should be all about the pick five. And it ended up being something we don't celebrate enough, a good no bet. Yeah, no, I think there's something to that. And I think, you know, I know that thing paid a million dollars, but, you know, I think the general sentiment is correct that you know that thing paid a million dollars because it was really fucking difficult. Yeah, um, you know, no ball, no balls or no balls or whatever his name is. <laughs> He's a gelding, so you can say no balls. But I think yeah. you're um, he I, was I really hard to find. The, yeah. the the fourteen horse that won the turf race was hard to find. That was just that was a tricky. You know, that was a hard sequence. There was, you know, other than Cody's wish, there wasn't a, you know. Yeah, you had him to hang your hat on, and then you had to get very cute. Yeah, yeah, and so I, you know, I think that I think that idea was correct. Yeah, um, because it's 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 hard to find spots where where they're not going to feast, honestly, especially with all this liquidity liquidity in the pools. Um, Generally, I'd much rather take, I mean, of course, though, you'd much rather take them on on a big liquidity day than a day when they can really just bully everybody. Yeah, I think, well, certainly on these big public money days, I think that's true because there's there's certainly more uninformed money in the pool. Um, But I think in general, the liquidity actually helps them a lot more than it hurts them. That's interesting. In certain pools. I mean, like, you know, just going back to that huge pick six they had at Keeneland that, that paid, you know, yes. horrifically. Yes. Um, you know, any t- you know, Pat Cummins has done just tremendous work, you know, showing the percentage of money that comes in in the last flash or the last two flashes. And we all know where that money's coming from. That's not coming from me and you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when that's happening, you know, those guys have a huge advantage. I agree. The mandatory payouts, the carryovers, things that traditionally helped us don't really, and they really help them. And it doesn't yes. matter. It doesn't, you know, the old metric we used to use isn't relevant anymore because of game selection. The, the expected value, the theoretical expected value, you know, Oh, this there should be a three percent positive expectation. Yeah, but not for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not your positive expectation. That's looking at the pool as a whole. You know, that's yeah. a really important concept. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think you know, game selection is really important to what you know what I did in the eighth race uh, in the Pad Day Mile uh, on Saturday. Gorgeous, gorgeous uh, segue, by the way, yeah. to the next question. So, yeah, keep, tell us tell us what the, tell us how that all went down. Well, you know, the, listening to you guys talk on Wednesday night and just talking with, you know, everybody I talked to, that that was a 
sort of a clusterfuck of a race, right? Like there was a lot of ways to go. There were a lot of stories. Yeah, and 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 the one thing I heard over and over again that I completely disagreed with was Kangaroo Court. You know, was going to make the lead, and he was fast, and he was going to win. And I looked at that horse and just said, you know, especially the way the track was playing, but even before the way the track was playing, like that horse on my stuff had zero chance of winning that race. He just, he wasn't good enough. He didn't finish. Now you've got a track where it's going to be a huge disadvantage for him. Um, Even though Johnny V did do the right thing and got him off the inside, that was just a bad spot. And so that was a race that I was trying to find a reason to bet just because of, you know, because of that. And I kept sitting there looking and looking and saying to myself, God, you know, General Jim is the only horse that could win this race. He's the only one that's even close to good enough on my figures. And he can do it. You know, he can run efficiently. He can do that. He can run a figure. He's drawn, you know, he's drawn right. And he's not getting, you know, he's getting bad a little bit. But this was, this was very clearly a race that even the computer teams didn't have any idea what to do. You know, all the combinations were paying you know, pretty good, if not great. And so I eventually came to the conclusion that, that General Jim had to win. And the only other horse in there I thought that had really any upside was was this Gilmore horse. And, and Gilmore had run like a 106 late pace figure in the Bay Shore. Didn't really run fast overall, but ran fast late and galloped out like a horse that was just getting better and better. And then, you know, Walsh was, you know, Walsh points for these big days. I thought Irad would do the right thing, which I typically don't think, but I thought with this horse and that, that projected trip, I thought, you know, everything just lined up for me in this, in this race. So I just made like two simple bets. I played a, Played a nine eleven exacta, pretty healthy, and then I came back with like four horses and played nine blank, nine blank eleven, and then narrowed those four down to two, and you know, I ended up betting like three hundred and twenty bucks and cashed for twenty thousand in the try. Oh, that's great! That's terrific. Who did you throw out? Like, which did you have any? All did you have? Yeah, like, and how did you narrow? It's a really tough race to narrow, like you said. You had five horses, basically, or four horses, basically, vying for favoritism. How did you? How did you know? How'd you make that work? Yeah, I used um, I used Fort Bragg, obviously, because Fort Bragg had run, you know, sort of fast pace figures in his last race, and and was drawn the way. You know, I thought the trip he would get was was right. Um, I used. I used the horses that ran second, fourth, fifth, and and sixth actually. Nice. Um, so Gun Pilot, Echo again, Fort Bragg, and Frosted Departure are the four. And then I pressed Fort Bragg and I think Echo again. So so you caught the main ticket and you caught one of the presses. Yes, I caught yeah. Yeah, that's terrific. I did, I did. I did basically as good as I could have done in that race. Um, the way, and and I thought that you know I thought it paid well. I thought, you know, I, I went upstairs and told my wife I finally I finally banged them for something. I just <laughs> hope they don't screw me on the payoff. But it, it actually paid better than I thought it would. So that's great. Ah, oh, that's terrific. It must have felt very satisfying after the the weeks of being pretty chill and patient to get, to have it come exactly like you, you wanted it to come for once. Yeah. It, it gave me a little, gave me a little hope. It, you know, the one thing, I, the, the big sort of takeaway from last weekend for me um, was I still have a really good edge on these big weekends, you know, with my figures. Um, and I need to find a way to, you know, keep the work up to where I'm, I'm prepared for, for these sort of weekends. Um, it's not, there's not that many, right? I mean, it's not, no, I think I've, I think I've got it. 
I think I've got it worked out to where, you know, it's just, it's, it's just tough to, you know, as I've demonstrated that you can go a long time in between scores. If you're only betting, you know, two, two days a week in Hong Kong and four weekends a year in the U S so you just got to be able to withstand some of this stuff. But, um, why do you think the figures are more effective on a on a big day? Is it just that extra meat on the bone from the casual money? Is there something more? Is there more something more to it than than just the, the, the game selection of, of days with the, the the extra public money? I, I think the way I look at pace and and you know racing in general just sort of lends itself to the better horses, honestly. I mean, you get down to 5,000 non-winners of two lifetime horses and you know, none of them do anything spectacular. Um, so it's just harder. There's less chaos, I think, on these bigger yeah, days. Even though sometimes sure. it doesn't seem that's true. But um, In general, you know, good I, horses are more are, are more formful. Right, I wonder if right. also having some, you know, like this is a great, good example of a race. You had a big, You had a big full field. Which has field to size, certainly. Field size, liquidity, all those things. I think everything plays into it. Yeah. Um, you know, you get more uninformed money on these weekends, on these days, which helps. Um, but, you know, it's just very hard to sit here. You know, I'm sitting here looking at the screen. There's 20 minutes to post to the first at Indiana. You know, I, I don't have any real desire to sit here and bet that race. Um, so... Their products look good so far, and I'm not just saying that because they're sponsors. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not saying it's not a good product, but it's just, you know, the work that's required to keep up nowadays, yeah. I don't have time to do to play seven days a week anymore. And I don't really have the desire to, to do that. But no, and You said four days, but it's really, it's it's the Triple Crown. It's, you know, probably Whitney Day at least, if not Whitney Travers. Um you know, uh, Pacific Classic. You could add a few more in there, I think, where you could still... Or, or do you think it's really something super special about Derby? No, I think there's... You know, I said four, just sort of tongue-in-cheek, but there, I think there's less than 15, honestly. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, you know, but I think Saturdays at Saratoga are, are probably... Sometimes are, are pretty good opportunities um you know belmont day i think certainly is breeders cup obviously triple crown preps and and some of those races you know some of them come up pretty weak but i think you know there's there's enough to to make at least keeping the the figures up to up to date and and and, and, and for folks that don't know you know i think the first thing i thought of sean when you were talking about the big day successes. I mean, you, you essentially talk about horses running, winning races. You played a winning contest in the BCBC. And if you didn't think that the guy in first, our man drew was going to go all in on flight line, if you thought you could have won by going all in on flight line, you know, I think you do that and you, in a lot of years you win. So it's, it's, you know, just to your point about, you know, being in tune with these big days, your, your past performances show that you're not bragging here. It's absolutely a fact. So you're trying to open up a can of worms with me on these contests, but I'm not going (laughs) to fall for it, Pete. I know know what you're up to here. Um. (laughs) Did hitting, did hitting that race with General Jim change your approach to the rest of the day? Like what, after that hit, were you thinking, was it all? Was it was it tuck rule at that point? Put put a bunch of money away and and make a few little bets, or or did did you think about getting any more aggressive? No, I'm I'm very proud to say that I instituted the tuck rule. I, you know, I paid attention the rest of the day. I made a very small bet in the derby, um, and then I went next door to my neighbor's derby party and hung out and had a good time. That's awesome. Um, I did want to ask you, I thought Stein had a situation that I thought you might have been all over, which was the incredible overbeddedness of Carl Spackler, who 
I'm just not sure if you can explain to me how that horse is two third two two dollars and thirty cents when Far Bridge, who beat him and had you know looked very much the same, if not better, on paper, was uh, was almost six and a half to one. I, I thought that might have drawn you in uh, for a penny. I did make a very small bet in that race um, on uh, Mendelssohn's March because I thought the price was too big, but I really I really made it exactly for the reasons you're you're describing because you know carl spackler was grossly overbet um relative to that field and you know that was another horse on, on at least my figures that had not done anything elite and never you know it, in fact carl spackler had actually not he hadn't done anything elite and and had like poor late pace numbers like like he wasn't even really a contender, um, but I didn't really have a good feel for the race. And I didn't I didn't want to get in there and say, "Well, shit, I just made a bunch of money. I'm gonna, you know, blow two thousand of it in here trying to bet, trying to beat Carl Spackler in the try." So I just made a real small, um, you know, tribe key with Middleton March with like three other horses. Um, again, just trying to take two or three hundred bucks and, and turn it into five or 10,000 if I could. And I couldn't. Um, I'll take this opportunity to shout out Philip Shelton, who uh, made the, a very cogent case at our show on Wednesday night for, for web slinger, which uh, I am, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for him to, to doing. Cause that was a horse. I think I could have easily overlooked at 22 to one. Yeah. He was hard for me to find. And I was a little annoyed after the fact Um you know, because when when horses like that win, I always want to go back and and you know dig dig into them a little bit. And I was a little annoyed when I went back and looked at my you know variant report from that day at Keeneland and, and saw that they had run two eight and a half furlong turf races, one of them with a run up of a hundred feet, and then the other one with a run up of one hundred thirty five feet. And you know that while it didn't you know make an enormous it wasn't going to say you know point me in the direction of, of betting that horse but you know that race came back slower than it should have just from that run up um you know those horses were, were running farther 10 right. yards farther than the other race at that distance um you know so just little things like that i, I don't know what the hell they have to do but they've got to fix it i mean you know, when you can't even trust the, you know, damn data, there's a problem. But, um, you know, so that after I went back and adjusted that that figure, uh, you know, that horse was a lot easier to find than I thought he was. I still don't, I wasn't going to do anything in that race and it wasn't, you know, but it's just one of those little, little things that, that is so annoying and so difficult about trying to be a figure maker nowadays the cody's wish race was we, we you know we sort of uh talked about this a little bit i can't remember if it was on air or off air at this point but i mean that was that was awesome that was one that was much more about him putting on a show than anything um gambling wise though honestly i'm not sure 72 cents on the dollar was a bad price at all on a horse that you figure took all this sentimental money but my God, for me, just being able to tell that story and watch with Perrin and my mom, both at their first derbies, you know, that that'll be an enduring race 10 paramutual uh, excitement aside. It'll be one of the enduring memories for me of the 2023 derby. Yeah, I mean, that that story, it, it got me. Um, you know, I just was down here crying my eyes out finally got it together. I thought I could go up and, and tell Keanu about the story. And then I started start getting into that. And as soon as I said, you know, they now he's going to his prom and he had his little tux on, I started bawling again. And she was just like, what, what the hell is wrong with you? Um, but it's just, you know, stuff like that just, just hits me now that, now that I've got children and it's, uh, man, it was very, it's a great story. And so NBC, God, what a horse that is, man. Oh, he's I mean, incredible. He's, you know, he's incredible. NBC did an update of the piece that won the award with some of the newer information, it sounds like. Yes. Very cool. I have not seen the updated version yet. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, let's put aside the, the, the sentiment. I mean, this was awesome. I mean, this course was, I mean, when do you see, when was the last time you saw a deep closer that was the winner every step of the way? Like without any particular, I mean, I don't know. What did the set, what did the, did it come back with the setup? I, it just didn't even matter. He just looked the, the whole time. He looked like he could go whenever he wanted to go and he, he just, you know, mowed them all down. It was just, it was, yeah, it was no. like a race in a movie. It wasn't like a real, wasn't like real life. No, I agree. I mean, he, he got, you know, other than being in the, in the good part of the track, which, you know, Certainly I'm not did. saying that helped him at all. Uh, yeah. You know, he got no pace to run at. Still was able to run a 105 for me or in a 116 late pace figure. Um, I mean, he's just, he's just, he's just awesome. And I, I hope to God after the Met Mile, they start thinking classic with him. Are, on your stuff, he'll stretch out? I don't think there's any doubt he'll stretch out. I mean, he's I mean you look at the well. Yeah, the Curlin Tappet cross, yeah. And the way he yeah. finishes. Boy, um, what a story that would be. Yeah. Yeah, he's you know, I, I I think I actually texted our little group text with Jake and JK this before the Breeders' Cup last year. I was hoping they'd go classic last year because I thought he had a he had a shot to run second in there. Um, so I'm really I really hope they they try to stretch him out because what else you know what else you can do with him yeah i mean a second mile, scar mile. mile. I mean, yeah it's it's you yeah, don't want to win the dirt mile again if you no, get because the dirt mile this year is going to be two turns out at santa anita yeah that's so might as, well be, might as well go 10 yeah i, I tend to agree let's let's see what he let, let, let let hopefully he stays well and we can have that be the you know the, the feel-good story not that not you not that you heard enough about it in the in the mass media, but that's a topic for a show that I'm going to do a little bit later in the week. Don't have the guests, um, don't have the guests aligned for that. Um, but it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. We're going to have a social license to operate show. I'll, the, the, the hint, my top pick of guests, if I can get them together and on the same page would be Jessica Paquette and Jay Pritman to just talk about, you know, the framing of the story. And I have some stories to tell that I'm not going to spend here, but just about, you know, Life as someone who works in horse racing, uh, circa uh, 2023. But let's proceed. We'll leave well, that alone, and we'll let, let me just say oh, tack on. Say one or two things. Yeah, please. Well, first of all, you've got to get Priftman on. He did. He did tremendous work on Twitter this week. Um, but if people don't think racing has a serious, serious problem. They're out of their fucking minds. Um, I talked to no less than 10 people this week that had no idea a name of a derby entrant, but asked me about horse deaths at Churchill. Downs. Oh my God. That's even worse than similar to my story, but even worse, especially since you live in Kentucky Were these Kentucky people. I, I, and I'm not embellishing had no clue who the Derby favorite was, couldn't have named you a horse in the field of, of the Derby, but said, Hey, Sean, what is going on? Why are all these horses dying at Churchill Downs? Like, what am I hearing about this? Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, they've, they've, I don't, I don't want to get into like, should they have banned Safi and done all that? Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. But it's got to be something, man, because we are on our last legs socially. Yeah, that's the word, socially. Well, we'll 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 put a pin in that and we'll come back to it. I'm not sure if that's going to be this week or next week. At that point, we got so much content out right now. But and I gotta I gotta corral my troops and see and see when we can get those two. But I mean, Jessica speaks about it so eloquently. Jay's always amazing on the topic, uh, and they you know they're both great on every topic. So yeah, we'll put we'll put that together for you when we can. But. For the purposes of our show, I want to get into these last couple of races. If you had anything on the uh, – and I, I used the wrong name, and I feel bad for the the, the sponsor, Old Forester. I, I used a, a rival bourbon's name on one of the shows. Oops. But the Old Forester Bourbon Turf Classic um, up to the mark. This was pretty formful and, and pretty dominant performance from this uh, Todd Fletcher trainee. Did you, did you make any bets? Did you have any thoughts? Uh, full disclosure, I – didn't even see the race, and okay. I still haven't seen the race. Okay. <laughs> so so I, was, I, was, I was at that party, and it just it got lost in the shuffle. And right. I, I, I hadn't seen. It. I had no interest in betting it, so I just you know 
I had uh, I'd taken that race off, I guess. Let's move on to the big one then. What did, so did did the wet paint performance do anything to cool your interest in the horses coming out of Oaklawn? Yeah, but not just her. Um, you know, right. I thought so in general the Oakland horses sort of underperformed. You know, smile happy, notwithstanding. Um, yeah, being a notable exception. But yeah, I didn't. Uh, I had less faith in those in those races than I did previously, and I just, you know, when when Marshall posted his imputed odds stuff Friday night. I looked at that, and this was before Forte's crashed. Um, and I think I may have even texted you guys. I know I texted some people, and I just said, where's the bet here? I mean, that was the most efficiently bet 18-horse field I've ever seen. Um, they just had it bet exactly right uh, in the double pool. Now, the wind pool was obviously a little funky. That It did sort of compress like we had talked about. There yeah, was no we- Long that was a theory that was correct. There was no yeah. horse over 33 to 1. I mean, yeah. isn't that amazing? Yeah, that it really is. It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, my little hypothesis going in was you got the rich strike effect on one end. I, I was willing to oppose Angel of Empire. I was definitely willing to oppose Tapatrice. I thought, I thought he'd need a meltdown to win. He got the meltdown and still didn't run very well. So I was trying to focus on... You know, those lodged and I hated Kings Barnes and I hated verifying from the post. So it was mm-hmm. almost, you know, by default, I was able to get to the right to the right runners. Yeah. And that's, you know, I I just didn't have any I didn't have enough faith in, in the winner. The, the winner was, you know. One, he was super impressive and, and clearly improved, but he was probably the value in the race when you really start looking at that. Yeah, the representative of the Forte um, form line, I think you can make a case that he ran just as well as Forte in the previous race. You know, we talked about that on yeah. various shows. I mean, he was going to have to improve again, but as the one coming in with three starts, didn't he, in a sense, have the most, you know, I guess you can say, oh, the lack of experience will find him out. But the other way of looking at it is the lack of experience means his ceiling is higher. And that's how it played out. Yeah. Yeah. He was really impressive. Um, but I didn't, um, I didn't. I just didn't like the race enough um, to to really make a serious bet in there. So I made some just sort of token Derma Sotagake on top of a group of horses exactas. Because um, I thought, you know, if he really did run that fast in, the, in in Dubai and could come close to replicating that, that, that he would, you know, that he would win. Um, and the price was decent enough. What do you go? Eight to one, maybe? Seven eighty. So, yeah, so, to one. Um, you know, I, I, I did very little in there. Probably the, the least I've bet on the Derby in, in a decade, I would imagine. So interesting. But I mean, you had lots of good reasons to, to, to stay out of, to stay out of Dodge with it. You know, um, it, it, some of the other horses we had talked about, you know, we, we, we had extensive chat about two fills as a figure horse that was going to be, you know, a chance to get at the, the top figure or one of the top figures at almost 10 to one. I mean, that horse ran his, uh, his eyes out and was, was mm-hmm. very, very good. I mean, yeah, I felt like it was kind of, it was kind of mage and two fills and then all the rest for me. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't get it that I couldn't get it narrowed down like that. Oh but. no. I mean, after the race looking forward, oh, I, gotcha, I, gotcha. I'm not saying I crushed the exact, I was betting wise Within the race, I was very much keyed on on Derma, um, and was was lucky to have a thin line alive. To uh, and again, nothing I did really good. Good construction from uh, from uh, a, a betting partner gets the uh, gets the the pick five home. Honestly, for me, but I just mean after the fact. Like I feel like those are really the two that I want to focus on. Oh yeah, they. I mean, they were clearly the two best horses in that race, um, and. You know, I think both, you know, have pretty, pretty bright futures, I would say. What do you think of that question that Forte mage winning means that Forte 
what well, what does it mean? What do you think Forte would have done if been allowed to compete here? Um, that's a tough question. I, uh, my first thought as I was walking the dog that night, sort of going over things in my head, um, my first thought was, you know, in hindsight, I wonder if the timing of the Florida Derby wasn't sort of fucked up. Like, I know they, you know, I, I know it was slower. It was adjusted. Than- yeah, I, I'm I'm wondering if that adjustment shouldn't have been made. Um, just the way that horse ran. I, that maybe it, it, it wasn't as much improvement for Mage as he had already shown that he was better than that. That's what you were thinking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, he clearly improved one way or the other. But I'm just wondering if the Florida Derby wasn't as slow as everybody thinks it was. That's yeah. my That was my first thought. Um, and there's just no way to know. I went back and just re redid that number as the variant report told me to um, versus changing it based on the timing. So, I, you know, after I did that, that horse really made a lot of sense in the Derby. We'll just, I'm just going to leave it that way and see, you know, how these other horses start coming out of there. Yeah. Um, as to Forte, you know, I don't know, you know, it certainly doesn't mean he would have won the race. You know, if if he got a good trip, I think he's probably going to be right there if he was healthy. But that's also an unknown. I mean, you know, there are rumors flying around about the horse for four days before they scratched him. So I'm inclined to think something was going on. Yeah, it sounded like he had a bruise on his foot, and it was just a question of, you know. Yeah, so I I can't imagine, you know, Pletcher sending one over that wasn't ready to compete in that spot. So I say, you know, I think it's it's quite reasonable to say he'd have been in the frame, but what do you? There's no way you can say he definitely would have beaten Mage because Mage clearly improved and Mage ran really with when you put trips involved as well as Forte did last time. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's crazy to have too strong of an opinion either way. Yeah, and I would I would think you know two fills and Mage ran so well and and you know, I'm not sure two fills really improved because he had that huge figure coming out of turfway, but mage clearly did. Yes. And, you know, I would think even if Forte did run his race, he probably just runs third. He would have had to run better. He would have had to he improve had, too. Yeah, he absolutely would. And I don't, I'm not sure he was set up to do that. Right. Right. Based on your numbers, based on just the anecdotal stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, so, I, 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 I like I that he would have been third call. I feel like if you made me make a final prediction, that might be where I landed too. Yeah. Um, Though you certainly can't rule out the idea that he would have gotten. No, because I mean, it's the Derby, you know, like, like the, the, the trips we saw last year on rich strike and Mo Donegal. One guy makes a real good decision. The other guy makes a real bad one. And there's a 10 link thing for us all of a sudden. So, you know, if they're, if they're running around the turn side by side and, and Castellano makes that good decision and, and, you know, it's just stuff happens. So you can't, you can't, you can't tell one way or the other. Um, well, where do we, where do we go from here? I assume, was that the end of your betting or did you, did you play? Uh, did, 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 no, cause they don't run, they don't run Derby night, do they in Hong Kong? No, they did. They, I, did. they did run that night. Um, I, I did, I decided I was, t- didn't want to stay up for it. There was like a huge weather system moving into Hong Kong and I, the little I glanced at that card, I didn't love anything, um, and it turned into a pretty good decision. They, they delayed racing for a while. There was like a monsoon. It was just, it was sort of a mess. It seemed like so. Um, I just I took the night off and uh, got back at it today. Nice. How did today go? Uh, I went over four today. Okay, but <laughs> did you change your approach at all? Were you betting any more for having the big hit over the weekend, or was it, or was it just? More of more of same waiting for opportunities kind of stuff. No, I didn't. Uh, I, I just sort of the same. I just I bet I made like three pretty small wagers, and then there was a race um, similar to the Pat Day Mile where I, you know, had a little opinion, and they didn't really know how to bet the race. I think the favorite went off at four or five to one, um, and 
I just missed. I mean, I, I got a brief look at it as they, they turned for home. My horse started running, but he just wasn't good enough. So, you know, I made a, you know, I made like three $150, $200 action bets, and then I bet maybe 600 into that race to, to win ten or 15000 maybe. Um, if it came right, maybe more. Um, but it didn't, it didn't work, so. Years, years, in years past, I would have easily lost five or six thousand dollars today. Probably later on Derby Day, actually. So it's so interesting. I'm making progress. Yeah, I love the sound of it. Well, we're going to continue following the journey with these pro player diaries as long as you want to keep doing them. I think we'll probably come right back next week, and you know, I have a bunch more questions, but we'll save them for that. Just about you know how the hit changes the mentality or doesn't, or what your plan is going forward. So we'll, we'll save that for next week. We'll put a pin in it and we'll let you uh, get on with your day. I want to get some exercise before uh, parent comes home here. Um, so yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll leave it here unless you have a closing thought. No, that sounds like a plan, my man. All right, buddy. We will thank Sean Borman one more time. We'll thank all of you for listening and making these shows so much fun to do. I'm Peter Thomas for Natal. May you win all your photos. <laughs>